Welcome to the Mind Matters Podcast, hosted by Gordon Bruin, a licensed clinical mental health counselor. In this insightful podcast, Gordon explores the intricate relationship between the mind and the brain, shedding light on the fascinating world of psychology and neuroscience. By delving into this complex interplay, the podcast will empower you with a deeper understanding of your mental processes, paving the way for personal healing and growth. Join Gordon Weekly as he unravels the mysteries of the mind, offering valuable insights and practical guidance for your mental health and a more profound connection with your inner self. So today I want to focus on the power of relationship in psychotherapy. One of uh, another book, one of my favorite books, um, called Roadless Traveled by M. Scott Peck. He wrote this book way back in 1978. It's been on my shelf for years, and I've pulled it off so many times, so many times so that it's actually fallen apart at the bindings. But I love something that he says that I agree with. Talks, and this is about the relationship. We are now able to see the essential ingredient that makes psychotherapy effective and successful. It is not unconditional positive regard, nor is it magical words, techniques, or postures. It is human involvement and struggle. It is the willingness of the therapist to extend himself or herself for the purpose of nurturing the patient's growth. Willingness to go out on a limb, to truly involve oneself at an emotional level in the relationship, to actually struggle with the patient and with oneself. In short, the essential ingredient to of successful, deep and meaningful psychotherapy is love. I love that um, definition. You know, deep and meaningful psychotherapy is love. Love is, as he says in his book, love is as love does. Love is not soft. Love is not fluffy. Love is not taking the easy way. It's about being willing to engage in a relationship um, where, where another human being is struggling or suffering. And for a therapist, uh, there's another great book called um, On Being a Therapist, Dr. Uh, or Jeffrey A. Kotler. I just, you know, a lot of this book, at least the preface, talks about... Um, the relationship, not only how the therapist is supposed to influence the patients or clients seeking help, but how the therapists themselves are influenced. A couple of things he says. Um, one thing that is not, this is the revised edition. One thing that has not changed much, much since the first publication of this book is that the process of psychotherapy still flows in two directions. This is obviously the case in the direction of influencing the client, but it is also true with respect to affecting the personal life of the clinician. This impact can be for better or for worse, making the helping professions among the most spiritually fulfilling as well as the most emotionally draining human endeavors. Some of us flourish as a result of this work. We learn from those we try to help and imply what we know and understand to ourselves, and some of us become depleted and despondent. Over time, 
we may become cynical or indifferent or stale. Um, can the therapist be immune to the influence of prolonged exposure to human despair, conflict, and suffering? So just uh, for me personally, after doing this work for many years, I've, I've experienced what he's talking about, both. I love the work. I love being fully engaged with those I'm privileged to work with. Not only do I hopefully encourage them and, and, and help them find some relief from their suffering, but I learn, I've learned a lot in the process also. But um, it really does go both ways. I'm reminded of, of, of a good friend who um, finally got his license. It's, it's not an easy process to get your license of being a psychotherapist. Anyway, or a, a licensed mental health counselor. Um, from start to finish, it's four, five, six, seven, it's about 10 years, nine, 10 years of pretty grueling work and effort before you finally have your license, independent license, where you don't need to be supervised by anyone, et cetera. And I remember one individual finally getting his license, finally getting it. And when you're in that state where you're hoping to get your license and pass your final exams and so forth, it's, it's a, just a grueling process. He walked down the hall at the, of the clinic we were working and he showed me his little magic cord. You know, I got my license. And then he says to me, blew me away. He says, I'm not going to do this work. And they go, what do you mean? He goes, I can't do it. I get too wrapped up in my clients. I can't sleep at night. It, it tears me up. When I don't see clients get better, I feel like a failure. Uh, I can't, I just can't do this work. I'm going to go do something else. And that's what he did. Um, so yeah, in, in a sense, it's like a war zone. Dealing, dealing with human suffering, but I, to me personally, I don't think any anything could be more worthwhile to be engaged in this work. And uh, but it, but it comes at risks. Like for example, this very last week, and I've been doing I've been doing this work a long time. I met with an individual, thirty year old young man. I truly believe it's the most depressed person I have ever come across in my life. 30 years old, he has not worked for two years. His parents don't know what to do. They've tried everything. You know, they're supporting him in therapy. They're financially supporting him in an apartment. And I've talked to him hundreds of times. But to no avail, he's stuck and frozen and in the deepest, darkest place of anyone that I've seen. It's not suicidal. He wishes he weren't here, but he doesn't want to kill himself, right? And so um, just meeting with him, the impact of that on me, I felt it. I felt a sense of his hopelessness because I, as a, as a therapist, experienced some hopelessness in Every single angle I was trying with, you know, through motivational interviewing, just all of the things I've studied through the years that usually works, that helps people relieve some suffering, didn't seem to be working, did not seem to be making an impact. 
So what, what, do, what does the therapist do with something like that? You need to allow the client to have their pain and suffering. I can't change him. And I know that. I need to take care of myself in the process and still show up, be able to bear, bear his suffering in a dignified manner, be there with him, sit there with him in that feeling of hopelessness, just letting him know that he is not alone. I once also worked with uh, an incest survivor. One of the most challenging cases I ever, ever dealt with. I worked with her for eight years. First few sessions in therapy, she would come into my office, walk in, my door was over here, she would walk in and I had a couch right in front of me and a couch right here to the side of me. She would walk over and sit down on the couch next to me so that she was not facing me, but that she was looking at me and looking at the door. And usually as I begin a therapy session, I will say, they said to her, um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and, and what brings you here today? And she just sat here like that. She didn't speak for the first two sessions. So what do I do with that? You're a therapist. What do you do with that? I just, I just sat with it. That's all I did. Understanding a little bit about what must be going on inside of her, I just sat with it. I was showing her that I could tolerate her discomfort of being there and that I wasn't going to, going to react to it and respond to it. I just said, and I just said to her, whenever you're ready to speak, I'll be here. And then I just got some paperwork and just sat right there. And then when the session was over, I said, okay, our, our time is up for today. I have another client out there waiting. She got up and walked out. After, after the first session that happened, I go, well, I don't think I'm going to see her again. Guess what? Next week, same time, shows up, exact same thing. Exact same thing for, for a few sessions. And then she finally started to open up. And that, um, then we engaged in a relationship for, for over eight years. And then um, I remember her saying to me that um, I was the only male she was ever able to sit in a room with up to that point. Then we got her you know, experiencing some things. She actually went on a date and stuff like that. But the damage that had happened to her and the confusion and stuff was really very significant. But again, therein lies the hope of change that notwithstanding what one goes through, there is something within us, a power within us in our minds. The mind is different than the physical brain. The brain becomes scarred. It becomes hardwired, but the mind and through the power of mental force, attention, mindfulness, practices on a consistent basis, the physical brain can actually and does actually change through effort.
through patience, work, and effort, and through engaging in the struggle. So, anyway, just, just, uh, it, so much seems to me just about relationships. The most important thing in the world are relationships. I love something that um, Kiana Reeves said in an interview. Someone asked him a question. Uh, I don't know if I remember the question exactly, but the question was, what do you think, something like this, what do you think will happen to those who loved you? What do you, what do you think would happen to those who love you when you're gone? And his response was amazing. He said, they would miss me. That's relationship. And at the end of the day, relationships are the most important thing in our existence. It's not our money. It's not our fame. It's not what we acquire down here. It's that someone would actually miss you when you're not there. That is more important to be kind, to be patient, to be loving, to be forgiving, to be encouraging, to sit with pain without becoming unglued with them, to tolerate another human being's suffering, to be with them, to help them find the answers inside themselves so that they can move forward and find their unique talent, gift, purpose in life. I think that's the greatest quest. So I'd encourage myself and you today to take a look at your relationships and do whatever you can to heal them, repair them, strengthen them. I love a statement, if I can find it really quickly. It's like uh, Marcus Aurelius at the time he made this statement. Gosh, I got so many papers floating over on my desk. He, um, hang on one second here. That's not what I, what I'm looking for. <laughs> I do have, I have quotes, quotes all over. Basically says that, um, I think I have this thing memorized by now, right? Here, here we go. I found it. The chance for progress to keep or lose turns on the events of a single day. So look at this day as the most important day of your life. You don't know how much time you have left. I don't know how much time I have left. And my quest today is in my significant relationships that everyone I come in contact with to be kind, to be encouraging, and to be help them in any way I can. And so that when they leave your presence, my presence, your presence, the quest, is that they will go, I can't wait till I can get back. 
I can't wait till I can get back into that person's presence. There's nothing more powerful than relationship and influence. So ask yourself the question, what are you allowing yourself to be influenced by? And if you have, if, if you're spending too much time on things that are just draining you, that are non-productive, like most things on social media, if you're spending too much time down that rabbit hole of things that just take your energy and your life away based on the premise of just getting instant gratification, whatever that means for you, it's not helping you in any significant way. I encourage you to take a look at that and, and take whatever steps that are necessary to get back on track and to focus on your relationships the most significant relationships you, you have, heal them, do whatever you need to do to correct them, or make the changes that you, that you need to make. Be accountable, be responsible, and do whatever it is you need to do today. Thank you for joining us. If you want more in-depth knowledge and tools to aid your recovery journey, check out Gordon Burns' book, Recovery Simplified. Gordon dives deeper into the complex mind, offering a comprehensive guide to the recovery process. To get your hands on this priceless resource, visit our website at gordonbruin.com, where you'll find more information about Recovery Simplified and how it can be a powerful companion toward healing and personal transformation.